Hello, Joel here. I've got a new book out. It's called Be Funny or Die. How comedy works and why it matters. And it's about how comedy works and why it matters. Why human beings tell jokes and then what that tells us about being human beings. So if you're a human being and you enjoy laughing and then want to know what the hell's going on with that, it's probably a pretty good book to read. It's called Be Funny or Die. It's in shops. You can buy it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Welcome to Rule of Three, a podcast about comedy. I'm Joel Morris. I'm Jason Hazley. And as usual, we're joined by someone who makes comedy to talk about something funny that they love. By taking it apart, maybe we'll learn something about how comedy works, or we'll just quote bits from it and giggle until we're finished. Both approaches are valid. Our special guest today is Joe Thomas. Hello. Hello, Hello. Joe. Hey, how are you doing? You you came in and found us. We gave you the wrong address. I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you. And only I'm... 55 minutes late. That's brilliant. That's good, I think it? we'll just do this really fast. That's good. I'll just put my phone on airplane mode, by the as way. As quickly as possible. I've already turned it off. That's your... Amazing. Can I just, so just, I just need to turn my phone back on so I can put it on airplane mode. That's <laughs> okay. I'm a, 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 consummate, a consummate professional. Yeah. Are you always yeah. late for things? Um, yes, I am actually always late for things. I mean, it wasn't am, your fault today. We gave you the wrong address, but it's fine. I think it's a family trait, actually. Um, <laughs> You're going to blame your parents. <laughs> yeah, I am going to blame my parents. I say what, though. My dad was always late. We were, he'd often arrive so late that there was an assumption that he was just never coming. <laughs> like it, when we were little kids, it got to the point where like other families were getting ready to take us home <laughs> forever. It was the um, the sea captain you thought had gone down with his ship, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who then comes back into the tavern? I think it was just a power game. You, yeah. Were you ever not worried that he, he was sort of Martin Gare thing and it might not be him anymore? I did. I I, I, I sort of sometimes he'd been away so long that. <laughs> It wasn't. I've seen him in action though, because what he does is he um. So say he's got to be there at three, he'll be he'll still be in the house at three, and then at three he'll do one final activity, and then <laughs> and, and then he'll leave. <laughs> By the way, I think it's what I've realised is this is going to be really annoying people because I've re- people do not like you being like re- I mean I've because re- my dad is like a nice man. I was always like well, my dad's a nice man. He's late for everything. But people <laughs> therefore what way, <laughs> no people do not. <laughs> People don't like it, but I will. So, but so this will be winding people up. But definitely, when I was a teenager and I first got a car, yeah, I was like, yeah, "Now I've yeah. got a car." So I then had two. I had two types of journey then in my head. Anywhere even vaguely close um, was five minutes. Yep. And anywhere that was more than that, an hour. So that that was those were the <laughs> two. Two times. So if it was if it was if I had to drive from like from Essex, if I had to drive to Essex to Cornwall. I'd be like. That's an hour. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anywhere in town to school. Five minutes. Anywhere else, it's five minutes. Five minutes. No. Um, I really, I thought the car was, the, you know, the DeLorean. I thought the car was basically a time travelling device. But also, in your head, you yeah. have clear roads, don't yeah. you? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. it, yeah. Nothing gets in the way. I know, and then you go out. And, and, and also, think, no buildings in the way. It's a crow's fly thing. You can go through. Yeah, through. yeah, that's it. You, go, you can kind of think that you're there and you are already there. <laughs> that's... Well, you, you grew up on the same, and would have driven on the same road yeah. as us, because yeah. we are, yes, we, we are alums, yeah. aren't we? Are we are from the yeah. same school. Yeah, we all we went to the same apart, school. Oh, yeah. 
Um, Although you, I was, I just checked this morning to see when you were born, and yeah. you were born actually a month after I started going to that school. So, wow. so we didn't cross over at all. We're, oh. we're a big gap apart. I mean, age yeah. like, I mean, certainly went to the same school in Essex, and we were talking about it just before because you were saying you'd done Celebrity Mastermind. I did Celebrity Mastermind, and we were talking about the idea of bluffing. Yeah, and it's and, a school mm. that taught you how to bluff. It teaches you how to bluff, and I tell you what, and, and we were talking about the format of Mastermind questions, where they'll say something like, "What uh, Pachyderm is the Hindu god of?" something and uh, is known by the, uh, was once known by the Sanskrit word of something and has a trunk. And you're like, oh, elephant. <laughs> so you wait till the end and you were right. You know, you're, you're, you're hanging around waiting for there to be a clue. And there is a clue. And actually it's, um, I, I think that is, a, that's a big part of education is like how to bluff. Yeah. And how to, how to make it seem like you know about something when you've got, I mean, what's so funny? You, you're looking you, for clues. You're yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I was yeah, saying yeah, the, yeah. the giveaway was always when they first started doing how who wants to be a millionaire. Yeah. You'd get someone on who said, oh, "I'm hoping for a thousand pounds so I can buy some food," and they come on and you go, "Well, they really need the money." And the first yeah. question would come saying, "Which Shakespeare play does the character Hamlet appear?" And yeah. the person would go, "I don't know about Shakespeare." Yeah, and they'd yeah, freeze up. Yeah, and you went, "You've yeah, had the kind of education yeah. that said yeah. you are know your place, yeah, and yeah, you don't it. know stuff, and you're thick." Yeah. And weirdly, anytime anyone posh went on there, they just sat there and waited for the word trunk. Yes, and when, yeah. At some point, someone's going to hand this to me, and you can see it in Boris Johnson and things. Yeah, there's yeah. a certain kind of education that says, even if you don't know, hang out, bluff it. And yeah. we went to a school, it was a state school, but it was a state school that, that prized the fact that you could probably talk your way into places. It, yeah, it was a state school. being here. Yeah, yeah, no, it, well, it was. Yeah, no, it, it, I think it was definitely a school that, that taught you, that said, if you bluff it, you'll be able to pass uh, a social class or yeah. an area that you wouldn't necessarily get into otherwise. And it taught you, well, it, was, it was Essex, it was basically sort of be a wide boy. You can probably, yeah. you can probably talk your way into things. Yeah. Um, well, Essex is funny as well because you can also you can kind of go both ways so yeah, you can you can do that you can do the kind of geezer thing yeah uh and you mm. can also you're quite you're sort of next door to rp in terms of your voice so you can sort of you can do that as well it's a fascinating county because it, it it does produce a lot of successful people i think and and there is a performative aspect as well quite a lot of people who i mean like if you watch any reality tv show half the people on the show are from every other county apart from Essex. <laughs> and half the people are from Essex. Well, they, and they, that, I mean, it's just like... But I mean, they emphasise this, does anyone want to come on television and everyone from Essex went, yep. Yeah. So they try, do they try and fill it from Essex first and then like, they're like, if we, if we can't... One person we've got, we've got from a few left India. over. Got some overspill. <clears throat> anyone from Rutland we can call? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's also a kind of deification of the the sort of entrepreneur, the kind of all-purpose entrepreneur. Like, I think there's a kind of there's a kind of... There's a sort of Silicon Valley thing where it's like the cult of the dropout, where it's like, I don't need, I don't need education. Don't fit I, in. If I need to know that, I'll probably just read a book about it on the train home and then I'll know it. <laughs> like, I think there's a, there's a sense of like, it's that kind of move fast and break stuff thing where people think you don't really need to spend any time learning anything anymore if you're... Like time is the enemy almost. Just, yeah. just get in and knock a few heads together. I was reading about an app that you can get which takes... Books which aren't novels, so non-fiction, so books which are full of factual stuff and condenses them to a 15-minute read that you can listen right. to. Right. And I'm, I just can't work out how you can get any kind of sort of quality of appreciation out of something that might be 300 pages long yeah. and, you know, 100,000 words brought down to 15 minutes. Yeah. I don't well, know. Also, I, I, yeah. I, get, I, I understand that. I, mean, I certainly, I remember reading, when, when they first brought out those books, like they do things like uh, Sophie's World and like A Bluffer's Guide to Philosophy. I read oh, all of those. Sophie's I'm World, not, I, yeah. I'm not reading the whole books. If yeah. it's just an idea... Yeah. I'll have that in 15 minutes. <laughs> and I think that's the education I was given, was how quickly can I get this information into me that I can then pretend <laughs> I understand it next. I just, it's only there for use in uh, at parties and to pretend I've read it. I've got so... Oh, I'm appalling person. <laughs> it's just we can, like, we can cheer this up. What, yeah, we can yeah. do, what we can do, we can talk yeah. about the thing you've brought in today because yeah. actually what's interesting about this is it's got it's a brilliant, probably one of the greatest ever skewerings of the middle brow. Yes, people yeah, who've yeah, read yeah. a bit or reckon a bit and are then swaggering about with it. People who are acting like they know more than they know. And I think one of the great this is a, a, a show that's made of subtext. And one of the great subtexts is that everyone in this is kind of bluffing. I put in um, it's it's uh, it's series one, episode three of The Office.
well, I think it's, it's the quiz episode. I mean, what's amazing about the, the the Office is that actually almost everything is a has become a quotable uh, little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, almost. It, but 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 I, it, this uh, spawned that phrase. Um, that's the real quiz. <laughs> that's the real quiz. That's the real quiz. <laughs> I will throw anything that you choose over this building. If oh. I do it, we win the quiz. New challenge. How does that work? Double or it's quiz. It's a challenge. Yeah. So you choose anything. If you can throw it over, we've won the champagne. And that's it. And that's the real quiz. That was yeah. the real quiz. If I do so it, choose one thing. Double or quiz. We are a couple of sad little men, aren't we? Oh, yeah, they're sad little men. He's thrown a kettle over a pub. What have you done? Absolutely. Well, no, do you want a challenge right. or not? So, so, if I do it, we win the quiz, we win the yeah, prize. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, 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 no, that's, that's the real quiz. You choose something. Choose something. Brent says that he's lost the quiz. For the first time. For the first time ever. It's constantly moving the goalposts to the point where you can't lose. Yeah, it's Tim Shoe, and I think it's Finchie throwing the shoes. There's there's a great line. I mean, obviously, Ralph Ineson as Chris yeah. Finch is the monster in this. It's the first time yeah. we see, I think, the monster. He's been described before. He's been described as... Yeah, what's amazing is, yeah, Brent Brent describes him as one of the cleverest men I know. <laughs> and he arrives and he's just a... He's, a, he's, just, a, he's just a boorish... He's a bully, uh, and a yeah. idiot. And... Lock up your daughters, I was going to say. Finch is on his way for the quiz. Uh-huh. Chris Finch. And it, go. Yeah. Oh... Keep that running. You'll be able to use about twenty percent of it when you get me and him together. <laughs> Gareth, isn't it? It it is the it is the skewering of of the of the bluffer, and I think it was it was such an important moment. I think in in comedy, first of all, because I think it just changed the whole rhythm of how people spoke. I mean, there was a, there was a, I always thought there was a kind of paradox about The Office, which was that it certainly it wasn't obvious when you first watched it that it even had. Obvious jokes in it because it seemed mm. it had like, a rhythm that hadn't been done before. Yeah, it had a rhythm that hadn't had, been done before. The yeah. only time it had been done before, even remotely, was the royal family, and both of them had had the same yes. reaction from people. Yeah. People went, "Is this real?" Yeah, is it real? Yeah, and 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 is it? Why am I still watching it? Because it doesn't have jokes yeah. that I recognise as jokes. And actually, if you look back, you realise it's actually it's actually full of jokes. Um, but yeah. They um, what the paradox element was? It sounded exactly like how people talk, and yet once it had come out. It changed the way everyone spoke. Yes. So it was like it, that. That was what was so weird. So, and I mean, I, and I think it had it had the quality of a caricature, like a good caricature, which is that it was really, really, really closely observed. Uh, then it just slightly accentuated them. The giveaway, I suppose, when you sort of say that people started to talk yeah. like it in real life. Yeah, it was a close enough facsimile of how people really speak yes. to be borrowed and yes. a few years afterwards I remember being a huge fan about 2006-ish there was a show on TV by a guy called Fergus O'Brien a documentary maker called The Armstrongs which was about a double glazing office in Co- Coventry and it came on and it's absolutely sensational but that was real and they just put some cameras it was basically set up like The Office they followed people around and it was a rigged camera show I saw that it was incredible yeah and, it was yeah. Brilliant. and everyone's reaction was is this a comedy show yeah. and what had happened is that People in offices had started talking like the people in the office. Was, yeah. So when you filmed them, they turned to the camera like David Brent and, and used its confidence and used yeah. those rhythms and made themselves, because reality TV... There's some amazing quotes there. in that show. There's the one where the wife goes to her husband to stop whirring in that pit. <laughs> <laughs> what we decided to do was we thought it'd be nice if um, when they make a sale, they can either ring a bell or bang a gong or something. <laughs> Rushing in. And I like that. It's good, isn't it? It was purely at that level. <laughs> but, a bit where attitude determines your altitude. There's a bit. <laughs> there's a Zimbabwean motivational speaker. But you can record your own thing. I didn't know whether you wanted the Rocky tune on it or something. Nah, it's a bit passe, isn't it? It's a bit passe, apparently. Yes, I've sold. Yes, I've there's a bit where they go to France. <laughs> Let's do that. And yeah. they're like, how do you say conservatory in French? Yeah. Is it conservatoire? Probably. Should we check that? Nah. And, the and conservatoire means music school. Yeah. So he was like, maybe we'll build a music school in your garden. And the people are going, <laughs> well, I don't need going, a music school in my garden. He was, he was trying to sell double glazing to someone in France and he goes, uh, the fenêtre, they go all the way around. Um, we do it, uh, is bricolage do it yourself? Yes. Uh, bricolage, uh, new uh, fabricant, we, uh, oui. oui, um, and uh, hang on, I've got a great line here. <laughs> 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 
the uh, mahogany, mahog, mahogany, uh, wood grain, um, wood. But within a few years, you could do a show where you'd actually film people and people were behaving like this because reality television had then come in off the back of this. And so ordinary people were starting to realise how to stick to the camera. And you stick to the camera by doing a lot of the things that the characters in this do. And this had come off the back of a really good late 80s to 90s boom in fly-on-the-wall documentary series like... Uh, uh, traffic wardens and driving yeah. school and uh, the airport. Yeah, that had yeah. become a really big thing. And the salon people, yeah. I think comedians loved those because it was a way yeah. of eavesdropping on how people talk. I, they're they're, so they're, they're, they're total. Yeah, they're exactly. They're they're pure gold, really. I think. And so you, you find you never, that Little Britain yeah. and League of Gentlemen had yeah. borrowed from those uh, those documentaries. They got most of their ideas from documentaries. You could yeah. see characters turning up in them. Yeah, uh, who you'd see. Oh, that was in a real show last week. And then The Office came in and went. Oh, we'll film it. And people like us was the was the one between mm, it. Yeah, the, yeah, the Chris yeah. Langham show, which is again was great at hearing how people spoke yes, and that, filming yeah. it and filming it like a real documentary. Then this comes in and just goes. We will strip this down to absolutely yeah. to look and feel and have the rhythms of a fly on the wall thing. And it blew everything away. Yeah, it was no, it was it was. It was extraordinary. Yeah. You excited? First yeah, big quiz? Looking forward to it. It's not the first, though. I, uh, <laughs> it was on Blockbusters. What? What, on the telly? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Were you one of the two? Or by yourself? There's two of you. It's cheating, because yeah, one of you's bound. One. Just one. Just one. Well done. Do you win anything, or...? Yeah, two gold runs, camping equipment, and Walkman. I usually, I usually get five, to be honest. Five gold runs? Yeah. You know, but you know you have to answer loads of questions before I do. you get to the, you'd get them yeah. all. I think to have a character who is so weak and yet so <laughs> so close to how so many people are was I hate kind of worthy comedy or like comedy that that is sort of pious. And I think Gervais was playing this character who was probably similar to himself in some ways and was trying to be impressive and trying to come across as a kind of worldly man and I think it involved quite it must have involved quite a lot of introspection I think yeah. to, to, do you to, think? To, I think so yeah mm. I think so there feels to be the same relationship as Steve Coogan's got with Alan Partridge isn't yeah, it? It is, yeah and when you yeah. look at Alan Partridge Alan Partridge is for all his flaws and how hilarious he is and how weak he is yeah he's quite a strong man because he can yeah. present a television program yeah you forget about Alan Partridge is he is booked to present things he is yeah. good at what he is employed to do the thing that's really interesting about David Brent is that characterization is he's weak. It's a beautiful word to use. He's really weak. He's easily impressed by people. He is desperate to impress. He has no real sense of his own self-confidence. Yes. You'd, you'd caricature this if you said it was about this bumptious, unbearable boss. And you go, well, yeah. he's not Basil Fawlty. He's not, yeah. Yeah. he's not one of those. He's not Sir. He's not uh, Renham from, uh, from the IT crowd. He's not a boss character. He's incredibly weak. And yeah. because he's weak, weirdly... For a program from people who are quite savage, occasionally, yeah. it's really compassionate. Yeah, and the key to when people say, "Oh, I loved The Office and I loved how it ended," well, yeah. all that ending, the thing that it's yeah. building towards, is all about compassion. Yeah, for yeah. the characters, they yeah, he loves him. Yeah, and they, he knows why he's weak. Oh, yeah. You don't know about these. I'm trying to fix this. It's got an offline two four three error, and I just I don't no. know. I don't really know what that is. So no, we were talking earlier about Dostoevsky, weren't we? Oh yeah. Yeah, Theodore mm-hmm. Mikhailovich Dostoevsky, born eighteen twenty one, died eighteen eighty one. Just interesting that stuff about him being exiled in Siberia for four years, wasn't it? Well, well I don't know much about that. Uh, I didn't cover it. Really. When I was at university, the the office had just come out, and and it it, it completely destroyed any sense that any of us might do stand up comedy or kind <laughs> of character comedy because it was so scathing about that kind of. Those kind of jokes. I mean, yeah. Brent is trying to. It was basically saying if you're telling jokes of punchlines, it's not funny. Wacky characters aren't funny. Um, he says that in this. He goes, "I Finch is more of a gag man. I'm more of a character." Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. not your job. Yeah, it's yeah, area yeah, manager he's more of a gag man. yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Abs- yes, exactly. <laughs> to be honest, I think you're mad to let me and Finchy on the bleeding telly. <laughs> We're like Morecambe and Wise when we get together. Actually, not Morecambe and Wise because um, there's there's no straight man, so there's no dead wood. Um, I'm more sort of character-based, and he's more of a gag man. I do gags as well, but, I mean, good together, you know, by now. There are limits to my comedy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there are limits to my... We sort of read each other's minds. We'll be doing a bit of stick, and we just start cracking up, and people watching and go, why is that funny? And we're telling them why, and they go, oh, yeah, 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 you are the best. It's somebody who's guessing. It's the thing... It's somebody who actually doesn't have a sense of humour, who thinks he's worked out what a sense of humour is from... 
copying other stuff that he's seen work. Yeah. yeah. When he's got the monkey and he says, I brought that in. So there you go. I am funny because I brought in the monkey. And the fact that he's named his quiz team the Dead Parrots. The Dead Parrots. Current champions are this team here, uh, the Dead Parrots. Good after life. He sleeps. If you unnail him to the perch, you will be pushing Push up the, the daisies. Monty <laughs> <laughs> <Monty> Python. <laughs> Which tells you that A, that he's heard of the Parrot sketch, and B, that he hasn't got a fucking sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's two themes to this episode. One of which is masculinity, how men are with each other, and bullying, and the hierarchies, and who's the silverback, and that rivalry, and the currency of men trying to beat each other. Yeah. But the other thing is, is humour. Yeah. This is an episode of a comedy series that is a very, very admired comedy series that comedians like that's all about witlessness or quick-wittedness. <laughs> and the difference is it's full of props and things that are... It's so cleverly written. It's full of props and things where you can bring in the witless humour substitute that is the currency in an office, like an inflatable penis as a present, yeah. greetings cards, let's say a novelty toilet book, the kind of thing that we write, that they will come in <laughs> and they will stand... In the same way as like Cards Against Humanity is a way for people who, are, who aren't very good at doing shocking jokes yeah. to sit round a table yeah, I know. and simulate that they're comedians. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. Tom. <laughs> What's the difference between your wages and your penis? I can find you lots of women who will blow your wages. <laughs> What's that? I don't know. Why has that happened? That office is the most profound... It's a comedy desert, isn't it? Basically, yeah. it's the, mo it's the yep. most profoundly unfunny place yeah. you've ever seen. And, and Tim knows it, and you can see that he's... Almost literally yeah, yeah. dying. Nearly, he's nearly dead inside. And, and, there's a, yeah. there's a, and there's a bit at the end of the quiz episode where he just looks directly into the camera. Yeah. And it's almost like he's saying, this is it, isn't it? He's almost saying, get, can you get me out of here? I mean, yeah. it, it's... Um... The, the appeals... What's <laughs> odd, I noticed this for the first time. The appeals to camera, which I remember being a really nice thing. They'd noticed that people do that in, in, yeah. in reality documentaries. They, they break the yeah. fourth wall and look yeah. at the camera crew as if to say... Uh, am I on screen or whatever? But all the appeals to camera, Brent does them a lot, but then you notice how often Martin Freeman does. What they're doing is they're putting an audience into a non-audience show. Yeah. Because the audience is at home. And this mm. is a really sophisticated thing to do, to say, so do what Eric and Ernie would do, which is appeal to an audience who are really there. They do what Laurel and Hardy used to do, where they'd look out through the screen. Yeah. There's no audience there. But at home you'd go, oh, Ollie's really yeah. angry with Stan. And it's pure silent comedy. It was felt as being very, very modern. So but actually, it's very, very old. And it's mm. appealing to the audience and saying, oh, these guys... And it's silent cinema. I yeah. hadn't actually remembered That's that so there was so much interaction with so much going straight down the barrel by the actors. I'd forgotten yeah. that. And I was really admiring the way it was being done because of, like, because in the case of um, uh, Martin Freeman, because of the desperation that he can just yeah. stare into the lens. And also in Ricky Gervais's case, where a lot of his looks to camera are either going, yeah, or they're going, you're going to keep that bit, aren't you? Or yeah. even he's going, well is that, aware is that of all right? Am going. I allowed to say that? Yeah. He's also doing the thing, yeah. like, is it, when he first gets the phone call, that brilliant thing, you get the phone call from Finchie, you've got one end of a phone call where clearly Finchie's telling, you haven't seen him yet, a yeah. racist joke. Yeah. And he's checking to the camera going, I know I mustn't have yeah. a racist joke. This will get cut out. If he, the racist joke's in there, he's appealing to them saying, to the, he's appealing to the editor almost. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He also, he, he, he wants, it's funny with the dead parrot thing. I think there's a, there's a real, <laughs> there's a real thing about like, if you're the first person to make a joke, you're being edgy and brave and profane. If you're the person who's picked up on it, yeah. you're literally the opposite. I mean, I was thinking about hipsters where it's like <laughs> the first person to have a moustache in wherever the fuck it was, Dalston or something, <laughs> was really brave because it looks mental but it was <laughs> but they were at least being brave once it's become safe and you're now doing it because you know it's safe you're literally the opposite of the first generation so Brent wants to see himself as this edgy guy but actually he's really fearful he's actually not profane at all he's not a risk taker yeah. and you're right to say he's middle he's he I mean, Gervais once described him as middle everything, middle yeah. class, middle management, <laughs> middle England, middle, middle England, middle, and, 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 and um, he wants to have his cake and eat it too. He wants to think that he's a kind of rock and roll Bill boss. Hicks. But, yeah. yeah, but actually he's not at all. Actually, he's fearful. He wants to know that it's safe. He's afraid of getting found out. Inside, he's a little boy yeah. who's afraid of getting told off. Whereas um, I think, you know, small examples, you can see that Tim isn't like that, where Tim actually is a genuine risk taker, like where he has Gareth Stapler and Gareth says, I know you're not going to drop that out the window. And Tim goes, well, I'm going to do it. And he goes, well, no, you're not going to. He goes, well, I have. So 
Yeah. Like, and actually, that's the thing. That's genuine. Somebody be, that like Gervais just, wants to be like I'm. I'm somebody who just goes fuck it. Yeah. And 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 actually, he's not somebody who just goes fuck it. But actually, Tim in in a small way is closer to that. He actually is saying fuck it. I don't even. I, I literally almost don't care if I hit someone because I just I can't. He's and, at the end of his tether. And, yeah. And there's a, there's yeah. a great bit in this. I mean, the way the subtle ways it works. I I had completely forgotten. You take this for granted as a show because yeah. it it became. The site it influenced so everything. Enormously influential, and it was huge, yeah. and it went to America. And everyone went mad for it, and it influenced so many American shows. You forget how good it is. Take something like that—that that comedy thing. You've got a character in, and you've written. You said, "Okay, one of them's a comedy fan, and it's and yeah. it's uh, and he's a bit." There's a little bit of Colin Hunt from the Far Show, which was the first time I'd ever seen that really skewed. The Office bore, mm-hmm. who's just quoting other comedy shows. Yeah. So there's a bit of that in there, which is it's only in there because that's really what happens in offices. Yeah. You've got him in there. You go well. That you could write that and say, well, that's the comedy guy. But then you go, well, there's Finchie, and he's much more aggressive, much more alpha, much crueler. He's got another level of comedy yes. above him that's beating him. And then you go below it, and you go below him. There's there's Tim, there's Martin Freeman, who goes and bullies Gareth because he's being bullied himself, like yeah. everyone does in any school or office. You, If you're bullied, you bully. And yeah. he goes and bullies Gareth with a series of much wittier but still quite crude sexual innuendos mm, yeah. about him taking a man from behind and yeah, appealing to yeah. his military thing. You've dug your foxhole, and you've pitched your tent. Right. They've discovered your camp... You're lying there, and they've caught you with your trousers down, and they've all entered your hole without you knowing. No. And Lucy Davis, uh, Dawn, joins in. Yeah. And then halfway through, she goes, you're better than this, aren't you? Um, you're how old, 30? And you're uh, getting off on pretending Gary's gay. What? Eh, what? Yeah, and yeah. so you've got, like, three or four different layers of comedy, including how Dawn's joining in, and she's witty as well. Yeah. But she's gone, we're better than these kind of jokes. And so even if you just said, OK... If you look at this one episode and say, how does everyone use humour? Everyone's yeah. using it differently. It's yeah. telling you who they are. It's saying something about how offices work and are lubricated by humour. Yes. And also by an appalling witlessness. And I remember working yeah. in, a, in shops and offices, and when you got a present, when you got a gift, like a leaving gift or a birthday gift, sometimes if someone knew you, it would be magnificent. It would be a book by someone you liked or about a subject you loved or a DVD of a film you loved or something really thoughtful. But sometimes it would be a penis. Yeah. Or a vagina, it would tell yeah. you that they'd noticed what gender you were. Yeah, yeah. And they had, they didn't know you beyond literally your genitals. Yeah. You don't, you've not noticed anything about me at all. Yeah, and yeah. this episode skewers that what should be the social lubricants that make everyone happy are actually yeah. making everyone miserable. Yeah. Um, this is big. Big and exciting. Exciting, huge inflatable cock. God. You can sit on that if you like. <laughs> That's not just for me, mate. That's from Dawn as well. Oh, God, you haven't got one already, have you? Um, no, you can never have too many anyway, I think. And you do prefer it to the money? Yeah, yeah, I'd have only spent it on a huge inflatable cock, Dawn. Um, <laughs> that is... All right, stop playing with it. <laughs> you getting that? Brilliant. Oh, God, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Gervais is a, is, a, is a master of profanity, and I think that the <laughs> the profane to me to me I would say master of profanity. Really, but I mean, I think if I could sum up comedy, I would say it's the profane, and 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 it's and in any in any context, it is saying the thing that I'm not saying that the point is actually. Let's say the you're, moment, not, you're not Toby Young. No, I'm not. I mean, and also, <laughs> it's working out what the profane is as well. Yes. So what happens is that. Um, so genuine profanity in the office is is represented, I think, by Tim. Actually funny, properly rude, unpretentious, um, stupid, rude. Taboo-breaking. Taboo-breaking, knob jokes, but funny, right? Then you have Brent, who thinks he... Well, actually, no, I'll do Finchy next. So, then, so the problem is, so the reason it's hard to say, like, I, I think comedy should be profane is because you always end up with, on your side people who are literally just racists and think that the reason comedy is there is to create a space in which it's possible to be racist or yeah. homophobic or sexist. Which yeah. is, but the point is, they are, two, they are genuinely two separate things. This, yeah. th- th- it's about this. Well, I think what's interesting, about especially this episode, because it talks about the currency of jokes and things, it talks yeah. about the currency of humour, and it gives you, say, three, yeah. maybe three and a half people yeah. who, do, who use so the jokes in different yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. And it's all saying, hang on, they're all telling the same sort of joke. Yeah. But from different parts of their heart, with different intentions, Absolutely. bullying, intimidation, punching up, punching down, you know what's at stake. And you also know that it's really important when Dawn says to Tim, stop, and Tim yeah. stops. Yeah. Because she yeah. goes, not that you're hurting Gareth, because he's not really hurting yeah. Gareth, but she goes, you're better than this. And then when you see David Brent doing his ham-fisted, yeah. I'm going to shock you, always that racist exactly. stuff, and also, which has also been yes. dogged to Dricky Gervais' career since, where people yeah. can't quite tell what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, then yeah. in this, he's got someone above him, an alpha guy in yeah. the form of Ralph Anderson, in the form of Finchie, yeah. who is the monster that will be unleashed if we all just say whatever the hell we like. Yes, exactly. Yes, absolutely. Ricky, it's Chris. Hello, mate. I'm Chris Finch. What's the yeah. name? Yeah. Heard about blockbusters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Need more than that tonight. Heard about your Dostoevsky. Yeah. I read a book a week, so a question like that's going to catch me out. While you're down there, love. <laughs> Close to the bone, but harm, isn't it? Christ. Give me half hour with her, it'll be up to me, nuts and guts. You've got Tim and you've got Finch, and then and then and then in the middle you've got Brent, who he's not capable of doing it. He's neither wild and free and out there and, and profane in the way that Tim is, neither is he actually just nasty. Like Finchy, he wants to be profane and he wants to be edgy, <laughs> but in fact, in fact he's not. And in fact, he's scared of being offensive and actually he doesn't quite understand what being offensive is he's not offensive and then is worried that he has caused offense yes <laughs> and then he thinks he's said something really sensitive and tactful and actually he has been offensive like well, with, the, with the girl in the wheelchair where he goes you know she's making her own decisions <laughs> and he and he thinks i've just come across as a really sensitive person but actually that's a, he hasn't got the antennae to realise when he's being offensive and when he's not being offensive. And the thing is, to work out whether a joke is offensive or not is a, is a high level of sensitivity. I totally. think it's, you know, mm. it's, it's, it's one of the reasons that I think that, that Twitter has, has been a yes. terrible place to do this. Yeah. Because I always say that, that what you learn if you are any good at telling jokes is you learn to read the room. You learn... And what the fuck is the room if you're on Twitter? What is the room? room, It's unreadable. What's the room? It's unreadable. The room is you go, well, there are different jokes I would tell to different audiences and with a different... Exactly. It's how stand-ups learn. You learn this. The problem with Twitter is you're sitting around a table with all your friends and suddenly the, the, the tablecloth twitches and hundreds of other people are underneath the table yeah. didn't even realise were there. Yeah. And they go, that hurt me. And you go, yeah. oh, if I could see you, I'd never have said that. Exactly. I mean, I had, I had a friend once, and she was saying about Twitter, like, she said, there isn't, bearing in mind Twitter, you're potentially talking to everyone in the world. <laughs> she said, there isn't a single thing I want to say to everyone in the world. <laughs> I mean, it's like oh, being man. handed a phone and somebody goes, say something then, and you go, who's on the other end of the phone? And they go, I'm not going to tell you. I'd be like, put the fucking phone down then, mate. Not, I don't know who's there. <laughs> Well, who is it? Is you it fix Putin? Twitter. Is it? Is it Dad? <laughs> who is it? What we should do is to it fix a baby? Twitter, you should put on Twitter instead of saying send. You should put reply to all. 
That button yeah. we all fear yes. hitting. Exactly. The one that you were taught. That's first famously a nightmare. <laughs> never reply yeah. to all. Yeah, never reply to all. And that's just the people in your office. <laughs> You'll get away with it. This is such a good episode. It builds up. It's got a lovely structure as well because it's building towards it. St- opens up. The first thing you see is yeah. the office is empty and Martin Freeman is in there on his own. I'm 30 today. My mum got me up really early this morning uh, to give me my present. So you think, but you're going to the place you hate most of all yeah. on your birthday. And not only are you there, you're there first. Yeah. And it builds towards a point at which... Dawn tries to get him a birthday drink and it's hijacked by, by David Brent who wants to do the quiz with Finchie and yeah. everyone has to go to the quiz. So right from the beginning to the end of his birthday, his special day as he turns 30, the age when when he's going to ha- say, or well, taking stock where I got to. the end of his youth, you know. He, he's he's yep, kissing yep. it goodbye and he's trapped with the yeah. worst people in the world, even the ones he loves, even yeah. the ones that there's a romantic frisson with. He's with Dawn and he's not allowed to be with her because her boyfriend's yeah. there, the guy from the, from the from the warehouse, who basically is is weirdly, really well drawn. Because yeah. he's nice, but he's a thug. Yes. He's nice and nasty at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You he's can, very yeah. sensitive. Oh, Lee, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. He re- yes, he's... Um, His description of the life he's, he's preparing for Dawn. Yeah, well, whatever happens, ain't going to be a flashy wedding. Heaven forbid. No, no. Yeah, just be a registry office, you know, save money. And then what we'll probably do is move in with my mum for a few months. Mm, save on rent. Yeah. Um, let Dawn get a few kiddies under her belt, right. which would be nice because then my mum can look after them. And, uh, well, I know, you'd probably go out and get a little part-time cleaning job or something. Got to dream the dream. <laughs> Again, Alpha, Silverback, don't you say that. What's that? No, I was just laughing at what Dawn said. Because oh, yeah. you're such a big eye flyer. No, I was just I was laughing at a joke, that's all. When you start getting a life, mate, you can take the mickey out of our right? <laughs> Lee, I'm not having a go. I'm just, you know. No, no, no. no, 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 no listen, mate, I don't mean have a go at you. Yeah, You're fine. Is. You're fine, all right? Fair enough. We've no worries. had a coffee. No yeah. worries. And every yeah. man in this is bristling and getting yeah. up and fanning yeah. their tail. Is and that... you're thinking, that's what an office is like. No. Is this the first time you've lost? We're not losing. The right questions aren't coming up. Well, it's all part of a quiz, isn't it? It's supposed to be random. <laughs> yeah, well, randomly awful. I'll tell you what, next time I'll choose the questions, eh? Good quiz, Master. Go on, choose a topic. All right, sport. What's the capital of Iceland? Thank you, mate. <laughs> Is that still a sport? You, all right. You, capital of Borneo. Don't care. See, doesn't have one. See, didn't get any of those, did you? And that was... Ineson. 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 We're assuming Ineson. it's pronounced Ineson. Ineson. Just so good in the office. Mm. And choose the character is amazing. Yeah. But what he does with it, and the threat of him arriving... He's yeah. actually quite frightening, isn't he? Honestly, it? the yeah. first of me, but also he's been built up in this amazing way. But also, what, what I love is that, like, Brent's one of those guys who's like, he's got a chip on his shoulder about not going to university. Yeah. Uh, and he's reacting the way that everyone does, which is going, we he know. basically says, I could have gone. It's basically sour grapes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I could have gone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't want to. Also, it was pointless. Um, <laughs> um, but both arguments at the same time they do this thing of going all oh, those college boys with their nose stuck in a book all the time yeah. I read a book a week you go, well, yeah. is, is reading well, a book good or it's bad like, it's, one, it's one or the other <laughs> yeah, you one, can't have both of them it's one or the other apparently it's, when you read a book yeah, it's good yeah. when I read a book it's bad exactly I can do it, I can do it anyway but also it's pointless so <laughs> um, there's, a, there's an issue in this country I think with with education and the divisions that it that it enforces, because I think there is a sense of people go away to university and they somehow become they become something else, and then if you don't do that, that window where that might have happened has gone now, and no mm, matter yeah. what happens, you'll never. It's re- it cuts really deep. I think. Do you and know it's the biggest? It's, it's a big the, indication of which way you vote, isn't it? It's the biggest tell in leave or remain. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, not. Yeah. It's not money or geography or anything or class or upbringing. Yeah. Everything is tertiary education. If you if yeah. you went to university, you tended to vote one way. Yeah. And if you didn't, they tended broadly to vote. It's, it's was, the one yeah. detail. That's one of the <laughs> that's reasons. Why. That's one of the reasons this show hits such a fucking nerve, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, because you've got yeah. you've got David that Brent in there. in there. He's yeah. desperate to be impressive, yeah. isn't he? He has to keep going away and finding another fact about Dostoevsky yeah, to bring back to his yeah. argument because he can't it, let this one go. But the thing, well, got, but the thing the, is behind the, it, behind it, behind this kind of aggression and this and this sort of hatred of you know educated people, is, is a vulnerability. Mr Spock is half Vulcan, half human, OK? And Gareth went, oh, look, just everyone gets one point. I said, no, no, everyone does not get one point. Carpet munchers don't get a point. Dr Wankenstein doesn't get a point. Stephen Hawking's football boots don't get a point. I do. I had to go home to get a book to prove it. And uh, they went, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right again. Well done. You've won. Sorry. No apologies necessary. Let's get on with the quiz, but... 
The great thing about this is the guy who's been to university yeah. and has won on blockbusters isn't very nice about it. He's yeah. a bit of a prick, the yeah. type. And he's... Mm. They, they, they don't say... He doesn't use that knowledge to be nice to David Brent. He uses it to bully and belittle him. Yeah. Yeah. And no one's being very nice with the things they've been given. And the society has divided these people up and it's depicted in this episode as not very helpful. Yeah, yeah. There's not a sense that... There's not a sense... No one says to David Brent, hey, would you like to do some uh, evening classes and yeah. join those people? They go, no, you just stay there yeah. and hate them. Yeah. And what happens to people like that is very, very accurately depicted in this. And you look... Again, you, you could read this episode on a level and say it's about office life. You can read this episode and say it's about uh, yeah. humour and how comedy is used. You can say it's about masculinity, rivalry, uh, hierarchies. And you can say this is about education, the splits are in there. So you've got four themes running at once. And that's before you get down to like Dawn's story, which is all about expectations of what's expected of women. Yeah, yeah. Thematically, yeah. there's about five things going on at once, all of which are skewering one after another, a thing about people and a thing about this country. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd forgotten that education thing was even in there, but now yeah. I'm thinking about it. Scene after scene after scene's about that. Well, it's also that you could also say the entire notion of the quiz. I mean, I think this is this is an axe that I think I've heard Gervais grind uh, in other areas, uh, on other occasions, is that, like, general knowledge is not the same as being clever. Yeah. So it's like, you yeah. reckon you're clever, but I won the quiz. And actually, so what he's really saying is the quiz <laughs> isn't anything. And then... Quiz is a way of, of, of codifying knowledge in a way that men can then compete with each other. You yeah. can see it in people's eyes when they're looking at them quizzing. Especially yeah. Dawn looks at them and goes, what are you doing? Yeah. And there's, <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a brilliant She's thing. She's great, where, isn't she? There's a brilliant bit in this. Where, I mean, yeah, we should just give Merchant and Gervais credit for just getting this absolutely spot on. Yeah. There's a great bit where they say, what books do you read? And Finchie can't think of a book that he reads. He's boasting. Yeah. And, and, and Brent interrupts and says, science, science and nature, isn't it? All the... Everything on the trivia board, all those different subjects. Yeah. So you're not reading the books for enjoyment, you're reading them yeah. to win at this quiz. Yeah. You're not, and also yes, that yeah, classic yeah. male thing, which blokes are terrible for, reading non-fiction. Yeah. Because the data will be useful Ooh. rather than for enjoying <laughs> the book. This episode is a terrific illustration of when those competitions are set up and say, are you a winner or a loser? Yeah. And the great thing about Brent as a character is he's a loser who behaves like he's a winner. Yeah, and you're yeah. watching, oh, I really judge you as a, as a loser. He, he behaves like a winner. He's, he's brilliant. He thinks everyone's copying his catchphrases. He's amazing. If you put those dividers in, which say you're a loser or a winner, everyone competes on them all the time. And it doesn't help. And you end up at the end of this where Finchie and Brent are beaten yeah. and they won't admit they're beaten. And they keep saying, this is the real quiz. Yeah, Keep moving. And as a line, God, if it was written, it's amazing. If it was improvised, it's equally amazing, which is... <laughs> no wonder this place is going down the pan. You're a waste of bloody time. Right. Don't get at him just because they beat you. They beat me? Yes. Yeah. I could give you a list of 50 things I could beat them at. Both of us. What? Like, throwing. I'll beat you at anything. Throwing. Yeah, yeah. That comes yeah. out of absolutely nowhere. And it's yeah. just what a man who's so angry, all he can it's think of is throwing. Yeah, but it's also... <laughs> it's, 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 it, it's also just... <laughs> it's, also, it's also insecurity. I mean, actually, even the, the point about this quiz is even if Brent wins the quiz, he's still not going to be happy. He's never going to be happy. I mean, this yeah. is the thing. It's, I think there are these moments where it's like you're forever negged. You're negged. Like, <laughs> no matter what you do, no matter how many times you beat that person at something else, because you didn't beat them at the thing that really mattered, it's never going to go away. Why, why this is a great show, not only is it really funny, not only is it a beautiful, radical way of telling a comedy story that hadn't been done before, but it also has real life in it and these real themes. They, they, they pop out and they're in the characters. The whole country found this programme really easy to read yeah. because it had lived it. Yes, and it wasn't yeah. just about booking and boring offices. Yeah. They absolutely skewered that. Yep. It did class, education, yeah. uh, uh, comedy, uh, bullying, uh, the, the masculinity, femininity. It does all those themes in it. What's amazing is that it's it's in there. There's a the sense of resentment in it. There's an ear for how yeah. much it hurts to not be winning, yes. to not have been yes. dealt the right hand. Yeah. yeah, And I think that I'm going to do a huge and stupid social generalisation here. I think the average comedy team of writer, performer, producer, yeah. everyone else involved in this, within the BBC at the time would not have made this show. Yeah. Because they would have been through a series of doors opening for them yeah. into Footlights, Oxbridge, whatever like that, yeah, yeah, that yeah, would yeah. have felt competitive but very different. And this is definitely made by some guys from XFM yeah. who didn't necessarily go to the university yeah. in the same way and didn't have the door. The door was open for them differently. And so they've got a feeling of, 
Well, there's the other guys. There's the Finchies, the people who are just above us, and there are people mm. below us. It's got a real sense of social place because the people in it feel vulnerable. It's just, I was having this conversation with, um, with Simon Kane, the writer, recently. He said that the amount of television, especially comedy, where you can't hear anyone running out of money. And he said it's a, <laughs> it's a sound that's constantly in his head, in my head, in my upbringing, in our upbringings. We could hear money running out. And he said the first series of Fleabag, you could hear the money running out. And she was making decisions based on having no money. Yeah. Second series, she appears to just live in Notting Hill like posh people do. Right. And he said, people with lots of money don't notice that all anyone not like them can hear is how much does this cost. That's so interesting. And what's really That's interesting so about good. television comedy and about comedy in general is when there's a note missing and you go, where's, where's that note? I just appears to be about affluent people at dinner parties. Right, well, most of the country doesn't live like that. That's so true. You have, yeah. you, that's how you live if you've done very well out of television. So your concerns will be different. So make a, make a different yeah. programme. But this show, everyone involved in it, had felt yeah. an outsider, had felt people were ruling against them. And the way they got to make it was they just, I think Stephen Merchant had gone for a producer's course, BBC trainees course. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. it, yeah. And they said, make something. And I imagine they said, make a, yeah. a member having badly seen, have a camera. And instead of that, he took a camera, a handy camera, went around the office and uh, Ricky Gervais had a character called CD Boss and he played him and did it like a, like a docu-soap. And yeah, this tape yeah. went around the BBC and everyone went mad for it. Yeah. And that's how you make a programme like this because when they saw that show, they went, just do that. Yeah. So he owned all of it. No one said to him, no one from a different class or a different background interfered and said, I don't get it. He yeah. got to own all of it. And that's what it's got in common with Fleabag, weirdly. It was owned completely. It was her voice. She made it and shown it yeah. off. Yeah. What it's got in common with Mrs. Brown's boys, something someone had made, no one interfered with, and showed off their voice, their class, their insecurities. No one has sat down at a meeting and said, I don't feel like this. Yeah. yeah. And so weirdly, the empathy there is for all these characters is in the guys who made it, because I think they felt like this. And I think someone who'd done really, really well in their life and had had all the doors open wouldn't have made this programme. And weirdly, it went out on the TV and the whole nation went, I feel like that. Yeah. And it's a voice that hadn't been heard. And it's not to do with it being desaturated grade or set in an office. It's to do oh, with mm. its heart is yeah. empathetic to the ordinary man. I think that's so true. And I love that thing about the money running out. There's desperation in it. Yeah. And that desperation, I think in all the best comedy shows, always hits, whether it's Only Fools yeah. and Horses, Steptoe and Son, uh, people just do nothing. They've yeah. all got a desperation in the, uh, the, this country that people hear, and they really love it. But, but it that's how people feel. And it also shows you that the, you know, the place... I mean, of all these things we've mentioned, I to me, the, the show almost seemed like it was about comedy. It was it was about comedy itself, yeah. I think. And, and <laughs> I think that... Because, I mean, this... If you look at, look at this, the office they work in is... Drab and ugly. The the roundabout, which I went to once actually, just, <laughs> just to see it. Oh, good man. Um, is is the, and I think that was a little in joke of the titles that it was meant to look a bit like Friends. You know where they zoom over New York and they zoom into an apartment, and here they were here was a roundabout in Slough, and then that terrible kind of weird architecture where you used to have that kind of slightly raised concrete stuff on the outside of a building. There is nothing much to recommend this world. It's some people in crappy clothes in a crappy office. I mean, I'm not being mean, but basically it's people who are average looking in an average office in an ugly place working for not very much money in a boring industry. The only light is laughter. The only light in that yeah. world. Well, laughter and love, actually. The, the two lights in that world are laughter and love. And basically, Tim and Dawn are like... I mean, I mean this is so romantic, but like they're like the sun in that world. They're like... Um, they're hope. Yeah, they're hope. And they're, they're, they're humanity. And actually, they... Whereas... Brent is institutionalised. He tells the sort of jokes that that you could get from a drop-down box on Microsoft Word. It's like, after-dinner speaking. Mm -hmm. When yeah. people look up an after-dinner speech and they just yeah. clip all the yeah. jokes out yes. to put into a speech. Yeah, and, of course, and they're not funny. And the reason they're not funny is because comedy is the profane. Comedy is the thing that says, working here is fucking horrible. <laughs> like, um, it, comedy is not... Oh, they're all mad here. You have to be bonkers to work well, here. Well, actually, that's like, the, that's the but, joke that gets the reaction from Lee. Yes, there's a yeah. moment where where Dawn and Tim have both said the profane, the thing you yeah, mustn't say in that, in that yeah. trapped coffee room yeah. of hell. Yeah, they have yeah. said we're we're dying here. Well, yes, and exactly. Immediately, that's what they Lee yes, exactly, goes, oh, yeah, exactly. yeah, careful, and yeah. comes up and threatens him. Yeah. His hackles are raised because because they're not meant to say this is no, hell. No, yeah. you're meant what, to say. What they are meant to say is, here they are, accounts are, they're, they're all mental. They're yeah, all, yeah. Don't be fooled by appearances. They're all mad, especially that one. You and you're like, no, they're, the background, yeah, they're just yeah, 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 like that. Face. To me, comedy is like 
something that is happening the whole time. It's just, it's like a pair of sunglasses you've got on. It's a way of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. everything is through that lens. It's not something you do for a little bit and then you put it away yeah. again. Yeah. It's an entire way of looking at the world. And basically it's a way of looking at the world that I think is essentially truthful and kind. And, and to be honest, when I was at school, all my favorite people were the funny people because I couldn't really think of a better way of finding a combination of intelligence and kindness than by going, who's funny? Who's yeah. funny? It's so hard to be funny if you're not both intelligent and kind. And I really mean that because, like, the point is, if you're not intelligent, you can't see anything. You can't notice anything. And if you're not kind, you won't, it won't be important to you to try and make another person laugh. Because in the end, trying to make another person laugh is actually trying to give them something nice. It's trying to make them happy. And also, yeah. kindness is important and because the kindness is reading the room. When someone yeah, says kindness, really, exactly. Yes, exactly. Kindness says, yes. if there's someone here for whom this joke will not make me laugh, I, I'm, one, I'm one audience member down if that person is offended. Yes. So what any intelligent person will do is they don't do that thing of saying, I'm going to offend everybody. Yeah. They go, well... Actually, one of the people in this room would not find this funny. Exactly. Actually, it's a joke about death, and they just lost their brother. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and, will and, fail at my job. And, and, I and, and what comedy isn't is basically what Brent thinks it is, which is occasionally you go, look at this. Does my bum look big in this? Hey. Yeah. And, they go, and it's not sexist as well, because that's the man saying it. So it's not even... <laughs> Head office have checked all his jokes. Yeah, that's the really exactly. worrying thing. Head office have checked his jokes. and <laughs> Which is very BBC. I mean, maybe they'd had that experience at... I mean, the funny thing about a lot of these things is they tend to be about the experience of making programmes. 2012 yeah. was about the BBC, and, and this yeah. is sort of about... You, everyone involved in this will have had a thing where head office has had to check the jokes. Yeah. Well, they've gone through someone like David Brent who's gone, that's not racist, because it's not racist, because he's, Winnie Mandela is his wife, so it's yeah. fine yeah. to do that yeah. racist joke. Yeah. Oh, God, and, that's, that's but, the joke. But, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> just remembered it. I think that somebody who's genuinely funny, probably, if, if a thing, if something genuinely gets a laugh in a room, it probably wasn't inappropriate, because if it wasn't appropriate, people wouldn't have laughed. Mm. I, I, I do think there is a, and I know there is... In that I know, room, I know, the rules in are the different room. in that room. Yes, in the, the rules yes, are different yes. in that room. I mean, I, think, I know that's a, it's a problematic thing to say because, I, the, as you know, as we've said, like, what's the room now? <laughs> it's but the, the point is, if you don't know what your room is, you have to say nothing. And that's why, that's <laughs> yeah, why Twitch yeah. is such a fucking shit show because the, that's why Twitch is so utterly anodyne or, well, Twitter now is a mixture of the totally anodyne saying, like, isn't family important? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean or... Gosh, I'd never or, thought of that. Or, or, or people who literally don't care that they're being offensive, and yeah. that's it. Yeah. What yeah. you're talking about here is something which, again, is in is in the programme, because the programme is about David Brent keeps misreading the room. Yeah. He comes yeah. in and he does a thing that killed on, I don't know, whatever the equivalent of Live of the Apollo would have been that was on at that time. Yeah. Well, he's seen it done, seen someone else get alpha points for being the funny guy. Again, that was a brilliant stroke of genius to say, I'm going to do a show about a nightmarish office thing and the yeah. original character is called CD Boss and he's very sexist and he's interviewing women and putting their hands yeah. on them yeah. but they don't do that very much with no. David Brent David Brent no, is a much he's... much worse kind of person yeah. he's a boss who's trying to make being at work better oh god also, and that's I'll tell, I'll tell, yeah. and also <laughs> yes. what, there is nothing worse than having to pretend that you're finding somebody funny who's not being funny because they're senior to you uh, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah because, and also because and because as I've said like love and laughter are the only good free things in anyone's <laughs> life and trying to having to pretend that somebody's funny if they're not funny is as bad as having to pretend that you're in love with someone that you're not in love with it's as bad they're the, they're the two saving graces of being a human no matter where you are being able to love and being able to laugh and to have to pretend that somebody is giving you either of those things when they're not is a nightmare and that is why it's so excruciating it's when I sort of first watched the show it seemed to me that it was about the absolute nightmare of being within being in the company of somebody who thinks they're funny and they're not and actually that sounds so simple but it's so and I, I think so so many of the ways in which human relationships are difficult are down to the fact that you feel that a response is required from you that you don't want to give <laughs> yeah. but you have to give it so many things about why human relationships are difficult are because you are being put under pressure to deliver a response that you know the other person needs, but that yeah. you can't honestly say you would really spontaneously have given. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Remember, you're only as old as a woman you feel. <laughs> I say that sometimes. Yeah, I just say it the other day, and I thought, oh, he's one of my catchphrases. I don't mind influencing the younger comedian. You're not a comedian. But, you know, I used to credit somebody if I used their comedy. Wait, what ones are yours do I use? Same shit, different day. It's mine. Excuse me, instead of excuse me. Oh, um. Thank you very much. Yeah, I invented that one. Is that to a wait or something? Thank you very much, doesn't it? <laughs> what you're watching is people 
forced to behave in an inhuman way, in a non-human way. Yeah. Humans yeah. put into an inhumane, antiseptic environment that's full of clanking machinery and things. They're in a machine. The photocopy is going, and they're and they're under those horrible strip lights. Nothing's natural. They're there, yeah. and they're they're forced to behave around each other in an unnatural, yes. inhuman way. Yeah. And the two things that are denied to them are laughter yeah. and love. Yes, absolutely. And so at the yeah. end yes. of it, at the end of the show, the, the reason you punched the air at the end of the office, no one got married. The yeah. way you end one of these shows, mainly to make it one of the most beloved things of all time, is that you get a marriage or a wedding or a yeah. kid or yeah. or some or someone punches someone or something. But what happens at the end of it? is that Finchie makes a crap joke and upsets Brent and Brent yeah. tells him to fuck off. Yeah. So you go, well, that's the laughter thing, as yeah. in the guy who bullied him with jokes is yeah. beaten. Yeah. And the second one is the two people who are not allowed to express love express genuine love, or yeah. even just friendship. Yeah, the, yeah. Because you watch this and you go, no one is a friend. It's the opposite of friends. These are enemies. It's, there's, at the same time the programme's called Friends, this is out. And the yeah. only two friends in it... Dawn yeah. and Tim. Yeah. 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 You're not rooting for them really for a romance. You're rooting for them for the only actual human connection. Yes. Yes. Everyone yes. else has been denied. Everyone else is faking it. Everyone else is. You imagine everyone else goes home, takes their jacket off, and is normal and human with the people they love. Yeah. But yeah. at work, especially at the end of this, which is this is an episode about going out and socializing. Yeah. With the people yeah. from work. They come out of work and to relax. They go to an artificial environment. They don't go to the pub and chat. They yeah. go to a pub where Gareth shouts questions about war at them. OK, question one. In the mid-1960s, US Army replaced all existing infantry guns with the M16 rifle and which fixed-rate repeat-fire machine gun? Yeah. So yeah. nothing natural is happening. No one's allowed to talk. When, when Dawn says, stand up and give us a speech about your birthday, he's shouted yeah. down by the first question. Yeah. It's about people's natural human interactions being choked. Yes, yes. And so it's not about embarrassment's too simple a thing. Yeah. It's about thwarted humanity. And also, yeah, I, it I, is. I, I, and Tim, I, one of the things I love about the the sort of the one of the little hidden metaphors in it is that basically Tim and everybody else in that office are basically being paid to trade blankness. They're selling blank yeah, yeah, paper. Yes, they're selling yeah. absence. <laughs> yeah. They're selling emptiness. Yeah. That's what they're doing. They are making a living from emptiness. And that's why you desperately just yeah. want them to have a fucking escape. Yeah. You just want yeah. them to escape. And in fact, Tim here ends his 30th birthday with no shoes, wandering in his socks through a car yeah. park, while behind him, Gareth kicks an inflatable penis. It's like, it, it, it's yeah. as bleak as it could possibly it also, be. It, also, yes. it, it ends, really. by the way, with a scene of the... Also, it's all been about masculinity and the pointlessness of men competing. And it ends up with a man playing football with a dick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. It couldn't be much more on the dick than that. Yeah. What becomes of you, my You know, like coffee, uh, milk substitute in coffee, like you get yeah. when you're in uh, in hotels and on trains. It's all about substitutes. Yeah. There's friendship <laughs> yeah. substitutes. There's, yes. there's yes. life substitutes. Yes. There's yes. artificial yes. love. There's artificial humour. Yes. Everything in this is the ersatz powdered, yep. instant yeah. version of it. UHT in, career. Yeah, it's, yeah. And, it's all, <laughs> yeah. and everyone in it is trapped into this world where this is supposed to be normal and you're not meant to comment on it. And I think people feel that in their everyday thing. And one of the yeah. great things you can do with sitcom you can't do with any other form is to when people come home from work they can watch something you can laugh abstractly but you can also laugh and recognize yourself and in, in, as you said a caricatured way that makes it safe for you to go god is that what my life's like have i yeah. got that in my i can laugh at these people that's worse than mine because unless you actually worked in the paper industry in slough you'd probably watch it and go that's a worse office than i work in yeah. people often say oh it's just like my office it isn't it's a caricature yeah. it's, yeah. it's meant to make you feel better about your office because mm. when you go to work there's a couple of people you go on with. It, Tim, it, Tim's situation yeah. is very, very rare that there will be no one. His best friend, Gareth, is a man who just bullies. Yeah, yeah. It's very rare for you to be in that desperate a situation. Usually you have a couple of mates that you can get on with or at least have a pint with. What's great about this is it exaggerates all that and everyone feels like that, but it's about that modern world of artificiality Yeah, where there is someone in charge. And in a classic sitcom, it would be Sir, Terry and June's boss who comes back and goes, Medford, if you misbehave, you'll be punished. And they've replaced him with this pathetic man, this weak, yeah. timid man, who you're still 
behaving to please. Yeah. Because yeah. they've artificially created yeah. they, he's had artificially created respect. And I'll tell you and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It's because it would it would be too genuinely unbearable to say to Brent, you're not funny. That's why yeah. you're trapped you're trapped into it. It's it's almost like there are things that you are almost simply not allowed to say. You're almost yeah. not allowed to say to somebody, I would prefer it if you were not my friend. You're, you're just not allowed to do it. And actually, we don't have, people, we don't have a word for it. It should be a card you can Yeah, I mean, you're allowed to say, I don't want you to, I don't want to be, I don't have sex with you. Uh, but you're not allowed to say, I don't want to be your friend. You're not funny. Lots of people will bank on that. Salesmen will bank on the fact that you're never going to say, that's a shit deal and I know what you're doing. Yeah. Like, that you're never going to say that. So you're constantly backed into these corners where basically people take advantage of your good manners. They know that you're yes. never going to say the only thing that will get you out of the situation. So you're fucked from the moment you start the conversation because yeah, yeah. you're never going to say the thing that actually allows you to get out of it. And that's very British um, as well. It's so British, it's so British. And what's so interesting is in the second series of The Office, there's a bit where somebody says to Brent, when he's been sat and he comes back, he's trying to get people to go for a pint with him. And she says, no one wants to go for a pint with you and no one likes you. You don't even work here. And Tim, because he's compassionate and sensitive, even though he doesn't want to go for a pint with Brent, says, I'll go for a pint with you. Yeah. So that's how strong that yeah. motive is to not say... To, there's, there are a few things more difficult to say to another human being than I personally don't really care for you and I would prefer it if we were not friends. That is meteoric that's, and, that's and, an unbelievable and, thing. and, and yet you need it all the fucking time yeah, and you and can't do it statistically surely I've got a certain number of friends but there are billions of people on and earth what, who and I'm what, not friends what with. we're relying on is that in general people won't <laughs> force the issue yeah. but if they do force the issue it's really really hard guys don't forget to say happy birthday to Tim today and also we'll be going out for drinks later this evening. What time? Um, Not tonight. Uh, Why? Not tonight. Quiz. Oh, right. Well, we can go out before. When's it start? Seven. Always. OK, well, so. drinks at six then. Did you get him a gift? No, but it, it starts at seven. I know. So, yeah. Well, OK, but drinks at six. Yeah. Should I get him a card? Whatever. For you, people? Yeah. Finch is coming down, so you've got to be ready to go at seven. Right. OK. Drinks at six. There's an artificiality to a thing that's meant to be natural. Yeah. So the audience, yes, this was a, yes, a medium yes. that said, it's not about drama, it's not about documentaries, it's not about comedy, this is the real thing. There's all these yeah. programmes on television that are about real people doing real things. And this programme brilliantly said to us, the viewers, and to the commissioners, you know that's artificial. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll make a programme that makes a joke out of this being artificial. And then within that, told a story about how every single person who's in every single office, in every job in Britain is kind of in a docu-soap where they're not yeah. allowed to behave yeah. naturally. Yeah. So it was a programme about artificiality on camera that then transcended that joke to say, yeah. we all behave in an artificial way when we're around each other under these stupid social rules. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. cannot say to someone, fuck off. So yeah. again, how does the programme end? It ends with fuck off and an I love you. Yes. Two things yes. that are primal from your gut that you want yeah. to say. And the question, Absolutely, whenever you're writing yeah. a narrative, is you go, well, how do we declare the point at which the story is finished? Yeah. And this one, the thing that happens that you go, we are finished, is I love you, fuck off. Yeah. yeah. Two uh, from the gut feelings, yeah. because you've been holding them in yeah. for eight yeah. episodes. That's beautifully put. And, there, and there's, there, there's another little final bit of scaffolding that falls away as like they start kissing and Gareth says, careful, she's got a fiancé. And it's like <laughs> this kind of jobs-worthy thing yeah. to say somehow. It's this final last little bit where she goes, I haven't anymore. And even if I did... I'll dump him in five minutes, like, yeah. like because this is true. Like and the story cuts away there. You don't need to know yeah. that they get married. You don't need to have no. a card at the end. You don't need to follow up. No, you and don't. again, no. you stop the story yeah. then because what you've done, a lot of storytelling is pulling an elastic band back for yeah. a long yeah. period of time. The tension, tension, tension. Yeah. And then when it gets released, you don't want to know what else happens. The story is about frustration, artificiality, the brutal ways we stop each other being human. Yeah. What a theme for a comedy show yeah, from yeah. a man who used to do fart jokes on the 11 o'clock show. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> but, it, it, but honestly, it all, it all come, it comes from the fart jokes. I mean, I think it comes from... <laughs> yes, the fart jokes are part of it. It comes, yeah. it comes from that sense of the profane. It's, it is the ability to say, I find a fart joke funny, I just do. Maybe that's mm. what's happening here. Maybe the central joke of here, maybe the ultimate profanity, the thing, the taboo that's being bust here, was we, the British people, in the turn of the millennium, were not meant to say 
this is awful. The central mm. joke of the office yeah. is goes, hey, you know that thing we all agreed to do? It's, it's awful. It's terrible, isn't it? It's yeah. inhuman. It's the worst yeah. thing. This decision we made yeah. back in, let's say, the 1800s, 1700s, yeah. it was a bad decision. Yeah. And that is an unsayable thing because our economy depends on it. Everyone has to do that sort of job. Yeah. Or they, or they mm. did. But to I mean, say, to say, this is awful. That, the central yeah. joke, that is the biggest fuck you, the biggest fart gag is to say, yeah. it's not only is it funny, because yeah. it is funny, yeah. it's also terribly sad. And that's a taboo there's busting all, thing. Absolutely, there's also something quite poignant about the fact that it's paper, which is presumed. I mean, Wernham Hogg would now probably be out of business. I mean, we, we, it's, <laughs> that's it, true. We do yes. you know, there's, Photocopies, all the gadgets. There's a bit where someone gets a fax. And you're, oh, I remember yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's um, even when it's going where even the people who are doing it well it, Neil, Jennifer, in the end, even for them, this isn't really going to be meaningful. I mean, th- 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 those two people would still have jobs, but they'd be in another industry. Yeah, um, yeah. So even even to the extent to which this this professional thing can be done correctly, yeah, it's the rewards aren't really aren't really there. <laughs> it's a big 3-0. That's the worst one, isn't it? Mm. Oh, I know what you're thinking. My youth's over. Yeah. I, I remember... When I was 30, like you, I was going, oh, I'm in a rubbish job, my life's rubbish, nothing good ever happens to me, when will it change? But, you know. Mm. This is the first time I've, first time I've watched this in ages, and I took mm. it for granted. Yeah, I did take yeah. And I was, I was stunned, I went, this is a masterpiece. And I, I've, I've for a while said that the quiz episode of Detectorist was the closest thing to a masterpiece I've seen recently. I mean, there's two great quiz episodes yeah. from Mackenzie yeah. Crook, it's amazing. <laughs> there's something great in that setup, But it's amazing to watch it and to realise that, the way I'd understood this, which was definitely about it being a stylistic thing that it was a groundbreaker for, and that the jokes are funny, yeah. the performances, jokes, funny style, was actually, yeah. no, right to its very bones, there's something radical and interesting and clever and human and unprecedented in this. And I don't think I'd appreciated that. It's brilliant. Mm. What a yeah. brilliant... I'm just, can I just say thank you for bringing in and making us watch it again? Oh, because fine. I yeah. think I, mean, I would have taken it for granted. You? Yeah, well, I'm I mean, happy I, to take the credit for that. I, lo- I loved <laughs> it. it. I loved it when it went out at the time. There were a lot of people who didn't like it, and I loved it. But watching it again in, uh, yesterday, I just thought this is absolutely fucking brilliant, isn't it? It's a brilliant piece of work. Th- thank goodness it was made. Thank you so much for thank bringing you. in the Office the Quiz episode. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks, guys.